This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. It's Tuesday night on Radio City Talk and it's time for the Fight Disciples as always. If this first time you're tuning in, every Tuesday, half past six till half past seven, we are here, the Fight Disciples, and we are talking about all things Merseyside Boxing. Now, a bit of a special this week. Uh, my co-host, co-presenter, is away sunning himself on the Costas Mr. Catterall, hope he's having a nice time. Uh, so I'm joined in the studio by a very special guest, someone I've known for years. I've followed this guy's career since he was a teenager at the Solly, when he looked like he'd left a coat hanger in his T-shirt with that weird mad frame that he's got. we followed his career. It's become one of the most storied careers in the entire Merseyside boxing history and certainly one of the most colourful as well. Welcome to the studio, Derry Matthews. Evening, evening Nick, all good. You uh, you are looking surprisingly trim, sir. I thought you'd be putting the juice on by no, now. I, listen, I'm, I'm an athlete. <laughs> I've always been an athlete. Uh, yeah, but you're not, you don't I have know, to fight no more. You're allowed to eat what you like. I've still got, you know, I've still got a family to look after. I still, still own a gym, still live in the gym. Um been on the track this morning with the lads at half six. Brilliant. Georgie's away in New York. Well, I was going to say sun himself, but he'd be in the cold, so <laughs> I've took his job on the stopwatch with a cup of coffee, and I'm enjoying it. Brilliant. <laughs> so I've been on, been on the track, lads are in the gym, and I'm in the gym every day with them, and I'm learning them and giving me knowledge, what I think, what I've, I've, I've had all my career, and hopefully pass it on to them. I knew obviously you had the gym, Derry ABC, for anyone who doesn't know, in the cent- Liverpool City Centre. You're working with a lot of, you know, uh, disadvantaged youths and everything else. You've got the kids coming through there, but you're actually working with the pros as well. Yeah, well, it, it, it's been a mad one over the last 18 months. I've always been sort of like, Georgie's number two. Mm. Um, just listening to him, t- just how he talks to people, how, how, you know, his presence around. It's one of them fellas where you walk in the gym and everyone sta- pays attention looks, listens and so just being in, listening to him, all basically holding the spitbucket. That's what carrying his bag, just going to shows, watching how he wraps hands and padding them. Obviously George can't pad the pro so I've always been his padman for the last eighteen months and obviously now I've retired and gonna that's my role now is being being George's padman. But we've also got Joe McNally. Um Wow Joe's back. Joe's back. Brilliant. Um, which is listen, I'm over the moon. Joe's a Joe's a was a, was a tremendous fighter. Everyone yeah. knows how good he was. I think he was eight and all. Southpaw. They getting Southpaw. Yeah. He was a top coach at Rotunda, but he's come along and he's Georgie's number two as well as me. So me and Joe, I've got good roles, um, and we've always been close with George. So the three of us now, well, me and Joe basically going to get the knowledge off George and and pass on to the pros. And we've got some some very good 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 kids coming through, um, and hopefully knows to start and big things and we can, you know, get a few more signings and, and move on that way. George, of course, has probably forgotten more about professional boxing that most coaches will ever know. He must just be like a fountain of knowledge. I know from past being in the gym when George has been around and he doesn't say much, but what he says is right to the point and, and, and he hits the, hits the nail on the head every time. He, he, he is right and he's one of them fellas where... How can he be wrong if he's always right? That, that's <laughs> yeah. his attitude. He yeah. won't tell anyone a secret. He likes to have the gym closed. He's never, I've known George for you know my entire boxing journalist career, coming up to 18 years now, 
and he's never gone on record with me. He'll chat to me, no problem. But every time I've said any chance of an interview, George, no, nope. he won't do it. Not he interested. Just, he, he, he still won't. And even in the gym, when people come in the gym, he goes every day, and you're like, oh, they just they just publicly goes, okay, um, I do want to leave. <laughs> and I'm like the pain public in the gym, and he goes, the pros and I don't want no one watching the methods. And yeah. I think that's what. Do the old school, it's old school, school style, think, yeah. And to be honest, I think that's what the fighters like. I remember oh, Sam Maxwell, who George has just got now recently. He's had one with George. I know we've been signing a few gyms out. Um, I met Sam as he was about to sign for MTK, and me and Sam had a chat. And I said, "Well, come to, you're welcome down the gym. Can I come on Monday?" I yeah. went. This was a Friday. He went, "Yeah, come on the Monday after ten minutes." He went, "Wow," and yeah. he was like. This is this. He went. I've been every other gym. He, he tried all the other gyms. We're not going to name where he'd been, but he, he, he knows he'd been all the other top pro gyms. Top pro coaches wanted him, and he went. Just, just being here, just like. I mean, George didn't even do pads or just, just talk to him. But in yeah. five minutes, and Sam went after my shadow box. I'm not, I know I fit in, and we've got a new and another kid who's just come as well along. Um, Craig Glover. Oh who, right, who, okay, yeah. Who, who bomber looks after? Yeah. Um, yeah. Big cruiserweights. Yeah, no, what? He's a he's a talented I've, I, for the size of him. Yeah, because he hasn't got much of an amateur background. No, he's only, he? he only had ten amateurs, um, and he, he's a he's a, he's a, he can be he's going to be a fighter. He's going to be a proper fighter. Obviously, he had a setback in his last fight. On the bell, you undercard. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he was as fit as he'd like to have been, and mm-hmm. you know. But again, you'd ask him to be there at half six in the morning. He's there. He's there at quarter past. So, you know, you want to spend time with them kinds of fighters who, who want to get out of bed and want to want to learn and want to take advice and off George and myself and, and Joe so you know we're, we're in a good place the gym's going to be oh, the next 18 months I can see us really rising yeah The uh, who else is in the gym then you got JJ Metcalf's in there is that right JJ Metcalf yeah he's he's a machine he's yeah. a, he's a, just a chip off the old block isn't he I've been, I was on the phone last night me and Joe Mack for three hours asking people to spar and um, we've been everywhere we've got, we've got sparring tomorrow we're going up to spar in Farnell's gym but you know, again, he's, he's he's got what it takes to, to, to be the best. And I've never seen anyone like him in the gym. If I'm really, honest, yeah. I've, I've trained with some athletes over the years, some great fighters over the years, but the kid, he's, he's a freak. He's one of them where he's asking him to run through a wall, he'd run through it twice. He's just, he's got that. He's, he's a winner. Yeah. It's a, he's, he is, you can say, right, I want you to do so many burpees in a minute, and he'll blast it, he'll do it. Not a problem, and... And he's very, very good. He won an ABA title at the Solly. Um, yeah. His boxing skills are very good. He can fight when he's got a fight. And again, he's, he's it's the same. He's just, you know, having them kind of people in the gym, it, it's, it, it's brilliant for myself. It's brilliant for Joe, brilliant for George. And, you know, this year, I think I'd be disappointed if JJ never won a British title this year. Um, yeah. I think everyone in the gym would because he's that good. Yeah. Just, he just, just needs the opportunity together and, and believe me he'll be, he'll be a British champion without, without a doubt and that'll be the start of big things for him yeah, obviously his, uh, his, his dad's Shay nearly is, is Shay around the gym as well does he pop in and he stuff po- obviously he pops in to see him and he's when obviously he's, got, he's passed yeah, him over to George passed now. him over to George yeah, yeah. and, and that, that's I think that's that's worked out better as yeah. well like most probably for, for Jimmy and JJ and you know and George because you know if I my mum or dad ever tell me to be in at nine o'clock, I come in at half nine. It's just yeah. it's one of them things, it doesn't work. Of course. Um so, you know, and he listens to George, he's always you know, he's he's a proper he's a proper fighter. It's like a, he's like a throwback fighter, but with skills and ability to do anything. Um and 
you know, believe honestly, I'm excited. It's one of them fighters where you're excited about. Yeah. Um, I've had, I've invited some of my mates to one of his fights, and they were like, "Wow, yeah, wow, we didn't know he was that good." And he only boxed, I think he boxed the Commonwealth Games on Olympian his last fight, knocked uh, one on points, eight yeah. rounds, put him over. Uh, he's been, he's beat some good kids coming up, and you know. He's just signed with Frank Warren as well, and, and he's been MTK. He's just signed with Frank Warren and BT Sport, so yeah, the opportunity. The opportunity. Time, he's yeah. going to get going to get big options, and you know the light middleweight division in, in Britain is, is booming at the moment. You've got Liam Smith fighting Liam Williams, which is a great fight, a great yeah. great fight. Credit to both of them um, for taking that for taking that fight on. You know, beefy because most likely went a boxer the world title again. I, I, he's at that level. Um, and Liam Williams has, you know, has jumped at the opportunity to fight him, and, and credit to Beefy Ann and Liam for taking, for taking the fight. that fight. Throughout your career, at which stage in your career did you did you start to think about coaching? Did you start thinking, you know what, that's going to be for me? That I do fancy going down that road. Was it quite late on, or throughout? Was it, you know, have you always liked holding pads? You always liked talking to fighters. Yeah, I've, I've always like listen. I've always wanted to be to be a boxing coach, um, and like. Even oh, back to the solid days, do you yeah, think? I, I know what I think it is. I think it's because I've been around good coaches who have respected me and I've, I've got more respect for anyone than Alan Lynch, Georgie Vaughan, Tony Chandler, Jimmy Carroll, Franny Smith, you know, John Carroll, even from the solid days. And, yeah. You know, and it's one of them where, you know, I think that they turned me into a better person. From from a kid, Tony Chandler and that turned me into a, to be a good kid. And then Georgie Vaughan turned me into be a... I had to be a man to be a to be a, a full an adult. Um, so I just I thought, no, what if I can do that? Change people's lives and and give people the opportunity. I'd I'd, I'd love to do it. And even when I go with with Danny Vaughan, like I always like he's a Danny Vaughan is a world class coach. And yeah, I don't think people he just hasn't got. Yeah, it sounds mad. He hasn't been given a world champion. He's gonna make a world champion, and that that's. You know, it's a big difference. It is a difference. I mean, if I would have won a world title, I think Danny Stock would have risen to the top because he got me from scratch, yeah. from beating, beating Collar to becoming a world champion. And I think Stock should have risen anyway, the way he's brought my career back and the fights I've been involved in. And that's down to Danny taking me away, studying fighters. He studies them. He does the work he does in the gym. Yeah, everything's different for each fighter. And you know, and then I've always learned off Danny. Yeah. When I went to America a couple of months back, I was going in gyms watching. I was training with Jamie Collins' dad, watching how he was warming his fighters up. And I've always took little bits. Yeah, of course. And Dan, to be honest, Danny even done that when I went to New York. Me and Danny went to New York to train for the Crawler fight, and Danny passed me to two American coaches. I said, "You train, they're training you for two weeks." I said, "Why, man? Because I'm going to learn." Yeah, yeah. Danny took a backward step and learned. So, you know, there's always. There's always room for improvement, and I just like learning. I go home, study the game. Watch, I watch different fighters train every night. I watch Golovkin. I watch Jacobs. I watch Pacquiao, Khan, Andre Ward. Just every fight is different, and every coach is different. So always try and take little tips from yeah. each one. Even like Joe Gallagher, he's got a great stable, got good fighters. Should always take bits from him. Oliver Allison, mm-hmm. who I was with, you know, Oliver done some some good stuff with me, and you always take little bits and. Try and improve as, as much as you can, and then, you know, one day, hopefully, I can be a successful coach. Is that is that in the back of your mind now that you're thinking I I I want to do that? Because it's funny after 
such an eventful career that's gone back since you were, you know, literally a young boy. You've been boxing for so many years now, 20 odd years you've been in a boxing ring. And yet, you don't seem to have waned. It seems, if anything, it seems like you're more in love with boxing yeah, now than it, you ever were. No, no, Are you watching more boxing now yeah, than you ever did? Yeah, I know what. It sounds. Martin Murray is the same as me. He doesn't watch boxing. He hates. He hates it. Tony Dodson was the same. Yeah, never right. watched it. But no, now I, I love it. It's, I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to a boxing show. I went. I went a boxing show on Saturday. A white collar show. I never go on a white collar show in my life. <laughs> and I was like, it's mad. It's like I'm excited and. And I said to all the lads, I mean, mates, we need to get a fa- we need a fighter who we can go and follow. Yeah, who we can all go and follow and uh, get the get the good times back. Um, but again, I boxed on the Saturday. I went out with the lads on the Sunday. For, Sunday fun drink. day, yeah. Sunday fun day. It's a tradition. On the <clears> Wednesday, <throat> I was on the running track at half six in the morning with the lads on the stopwatch with a cup of coffee. And <laughs> believe it or not, I'm like, I usually struggle to get off for running at half six. I was up at half five because I knew I never had to do it. Yeah. And I knew I was going to punish them. And just, no, it, it's great. And it's, it's weird. It's, a, it's like, I look forward to going to the gym. I look forward to, you know, even wrapping the lads' hands up, being wrapping the lads up this week, learning how to wrap hands and, you know, just getting to know them. It's, 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 I'm, I'm enjoying it anyway. And, yeah. you know, if I, I know that if I can put the time that I put into my own training as a fighter, I can give the time to the lads who, who need it. You know, I'll be, I'll be okay, and I think they'll be okay. So, will you be working the corners of the likes of Sam Maxwell and and and, and uh, JJ and people like that? Yeah. Now you're going to be you're going to be like a chief second, yeah, well, alongside I'll, George. I'll just, uh, listen, I'll be happy if I can hold a spit bucket for them kinds of fighters because they're they're proper fighters, and you know, I've always been. Even I think maybe the last four or five fights for JJ, I've warmed them up in the changing rooms. I've I've I've, I've been there for them. And Ryan Moorhead as well. Yeah. I've got Ryan Moorhead who, who's just come off a great win in Scotland. That's right. Um and that was Joe Joe Mack's first fight sorry in the camp with with George and, and Joe trained him very, very well and he was super fit and strong and I was away in Scotland so I couldn't be there. So Joe come in and, and helped and then you know they've they've got a good bond. So me me and Joe we're just gonna do as George says. Um, laying off him, and then if, when George gives us the nod to go to go ahead with, you know, on top as a main as a main coach, we're, we're going to be in that position to do it because we've learned from the best, and you know, and we could get our own fighters coming through. Like I might get a fighter come through and say, "Joe, I need your help," or Joe yeah, might yeah. get a fighter. So, yeah, work and vice versa. But we're in a good place. We're in a good. We're in a good stable, and and I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited if I'm honest, um, and I, I can't wait till you know. So we're out and about on the road. The wife won't be happy because she won't be seeing much of me. But it's it's it's, got to it's be a whole different dream now. Dream, yeah. Brilliant. You're you're listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. Uh, this is the uh, man of Nick Pete, of course, and I'm in studio with Derry Matthews. We're going to take a break now, but when we come back, we're going to talk about Derry's career. We're going to talk about the early days as an amateur turn pro. And we're going to go through his entire list of titles that he's won. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back. You are listening to the Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. I'm Nick Pete, and I'm joined in the studio by Derry Matthews. If you've missed the first part, well, where have you been? Derry was telling us all about the next stage of his endeavours in boxing to train the next world champion. But let's go back to your own career, Derry. Let's just let me just rattle this list off. ABA champion, English champion, British Masters champion, British champion twice, Commonwealth champion, WBA interim champion, IBO international champion, WBU world champion, 
you know, is there is there any room on the fireplace mantle back in your place for the mirror, or is it just all the belts lined you, up? Missed young boxing writers. Well, young boxing writers, of course. <laughs> British yeah, boxing the year. Not, not many people win that. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, what? Where are all the belts? Where's, where's all the? They're in me, it's, it's my don't say they're in the loft. No, that, that, <laughs> the wife won't let them out. Honest to God, and we're in the middle now. We're getting a big kitchen fitted, and I said. They'll look nice in there, no like put in the wall and the lights and got no chance. It's just there's no boxing pitches in my house. If she went, that's your job. If you worked on a building site, which is right, you would put of you carrying yeah. bricks and cement. There you go. So, so slightly put, different though. I put them in my gym. Um, some of them are in the Liverpool Museum. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's what's mad. She just she just won't allow it. <laughs> so she's the boss. So you know you gotta you gotta just get on with it. <laughs> Looking back now, obviously, you know, as a as a seventeen year old when you won the ABA title, just just turned eighteen, just turned eighteen. Um, before before we talk about pro career, then why didn't you stick around? Why didn't you stick around for the Commonwealth Games or for the Olympic Games? Just explain right. what happened there. I went when I was seeing the ABAs. Um, a bantamweight, Mark Moran was number one. Yeah. Um, Mark Moran didn't enter the ABAs because I was entering. That that's the story. Um, I think he was even at the. At the weigh-in, the official weigh-in for the ABAs, um, they knew I was going in at Bantam. Everyone thought I was going in a featherweight. Yeah. Went in at Bantam, won them at Bantam. Um, every ABA champion that year got picked for the Commonwealth Games, apart from me. Um, so, Frank Warren, oh sorry, Gary Metcalf, Stephen Vaughan, yeah. um, contact me, contacted me and, and offered me a contract, which, you know, I was a kid on a council estate and... It was it was massive um, at the at the time it was it was crazy and then I went from there. He offered me a deal with Frank Warren, seven fights in a year. I had seven fights my first year. I think he had eight or seven the second year, and it it just went from there, mate. And then you know I was I was disappointed that I never never got the opportunity to go to Commonwealth Games, but I'm glad I never if, if you know what I mean because then they wouldn't have come knocking for me. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have got in touch and and you know. Mark Moran turned pro. Um, he, he wasn't as, as successful as me as a professional, but he's still a good fighter. He's still yeah. a good, but again, he never got a. I think he got a bronze medal, sorry, in the yeah. Commonwealth Games. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people were calling me daft. We were turning pro so yeah, young at the, at the time. Social media weren't out there then. There were mm. no Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or whatever. Um, and I remember the boxing news, and a lot of people, you know, in my area, were saying, you know, I was only a baby. I, I would have got hurt. I never even had any armpits. I never had a shave till I was twenty-four, <laughs> um, so I was like a real, real baby, and and I love to prove them wrong, and that's and that's what I've done. The um, just to explain how you got into boxing, obviously you grew up spitting distance away from the Solly. You know, at what stage did you put the football down and, and pick the boxing gloves up? Well, I, I always, I've always played football. Um, Believe it or not, my mates are going to be listening to this and they're going to laugh, but I played at a good level. Um, <laughs> Striker, let me guess, or a winger. Yeah, that's how I become mates with John Welsh, um, Liverpool Schoolboys, and, and the likes of the lads there. Um, I remember, you know, I played football for my school champion, mm-hmm. um, as, even as uh, for the Byron. I try to vote my gym now in Byron Street as well, down in Holy Cross, play for them, um, play for the Eagle Cons, Sunday League, and Saturdays. And then I remember getting picked for the Junior Olympics, um, and it was one or the other. I was, I was, I was sixteen. It was, do you want to play football or do you want to box? And 
I picked boxing, went to Junior Olympics, and I won a gold medal. So I think I made the right choice. Um, but I'm not the best at football now, I'll admit that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit that. Well, as a junior and up to 16, 17, I, I, I played football. Um, I was playing regular and I was, I was a good player. Um, and, you know, boxing. Boxing took over my life. And then. Was it was it the fact that, you know, you walked into a... You walked into the Solly and there were so many role models at the Solly then, so many great fighters at the Solly, but also some outstanding, you know, the international standard coaching in there as well. Yeah, I remember... You remember um, your first day or your first... Yeah, you know, I, remember the, I remember the first day. And Tony Chandler, I think it just started. I think it might have been his first day. And when you get that bond with someone, you just bang, you just clicked. And, you know, look what Tony Chandler, to me, like he was like... The way everyone goes, obviously George, you know, George played a massive part in my career. He's like my father figure, basically, you know. Yeah. You're buying a car, you ask George advice. You're buying a house, you ask George advice. He's one of them fellas where yeah. you're going on a date, you ask George advice. It's just, <laughs> it's just one of them things. And with Tony Chandler, it was, the, it was the same. You know, he was a he was a great, great man. And well, not just for myself, Paul Edwards, Nathan Bruff, Lee Sainer. Yeah. You know, we had another lad, Tony Anthony Hudson. He was a good fighter from... Up the um, speakways, and then you know, Paddy Dillon, all little Kazza, we all, little Nugget, we all had like a great bond. We, all, we had a proper squad. One of us would fight, we'd all go and fight. Yeah, it's like Conor McGregor saying, One goes to war, we all go to war. That's what it was like with the Solly. We'd all end up on one of us would fight, and we'd all go on spec, our kit bags, our McDonald's money, and we'd, <laughs> we'd go way in, and then we'd just want to fight. And you know, we were a team, we were a proper a, a bond. And, you know, and they were, they were the best times. Most probably uh, at my youth in the, in the Solly. It was like, that was my youth club, basically. It was just of course. Where I went in. And then you'd only have to look around and look who, who you know, who you want to train, who's above you. At the, and in the Solly, there's always someone a level, 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 level above you. It's mm-hmm. all, even at the coaching, there's a coach, the, the juniors, there's a better coach above you. There's a better, there's always yeah. a goal. There's a ladder there. Yeah, there's a ladder. There's always a goal. And, and I think that's why it's most probably the most successful club in Britain. Yeah. Who, who was your big inspiration? In the gym. In the so, gym and, 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 you know, outside the gym as well at the time. You know, David, boxing-wise, David Burke, you know, you could, I could sit there and watch him for hours. The I shadow. Could sit, I could <laughs> shadow there, box. I could sit there and watch him coach as well, because he's a world-class coach now. Yeah, um, that's right. And I could, honest to God, mate, just go, he was a southpaw. I'm not even a southpaw, but it's just one of them things where... I wanted to be him. Yeah. It's it. And I won the WBU world title the same as him. I won the Commonwealth Games the same. And I was like, I'm doing everything Burke he's doing. Yeah, this is like, <laughs> this is a this is a dream. And, you know, I, I went to all his fights. The only one I missed was when you were with him in France. That's right. Yeah, Italy. Yeah. Italy, Italy, yeah. Italy, yeah. For the European, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. European belt. Trieste, it was in Italy. We got the, we've got voted. Thing only year two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Millennium was it? That's Probably. right. Something like that. Uh, Capital of Culture. Yeah, we team, just got Capital of Culture. Right. And it was Zoff, wasn't it? Yeah, Zoff. It was in CS. Um, yeah, yeah. That's the only. Could have won that fight, Berkey. By the way, that's the only fight I missed. Um, I remember been. going beat, watching him beat Colin Dunn. All I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Won the world title. That was yeah. my first ever bet in my life. I really? remember that, and I won eighty quid to beat <laughs> Colin Dunn. So little things like that sticking, sticking your head, and you know, watching him in the gym, and then training alongside him. As I was getting older, he come with George, training with him as a pro, and yeah. even to this day, Georgie Vaughan says, in the gym, they weren't a better person than him. He was just, she not like him in the gym. Not everything, doesn't speak, gets his work done. 
make sure he stretches after every session. Some people just like, oh, get a shower. Yeah, he yeah. stretches, does everything right, and you know. And I think David even knows that he should have been better than what. Yeah. Yeah, don't get me wrong. He had, a, he had an unbelievable career, a great career, but. Yeah, if he do, if he was around now with the opportunities now with the Echo Arena, no one, no one, I'm, I guarantee you, right? I'm even ta- even I my last fight was at Ten Stone. No one had beat him at Ten Stone. No one, no one in this world because he was just a, he's massively just a style. And if he just if he was eighteen again now, it wouldn't even be worth turning professional if you were going because he, he he'd be there to take it out. He'd be there, he'd be outstanding. Okay, let's get on to your pro career anyway. Obviously, you made your debut, two thousand three in Preston. Sergei Tasimov stopped him in the first round. Do you remember much about that fight? Yeah, um, he boxed Peter Coulshaw with George when George had Cully. Right. I remember boxing, boxing him. Um, so I want to let a few stories out here, but I remember getting away in, and he was tiny, and I was a bit. Cully, of course, was a flyweight, yeah, wasn't he? So, <laughs> and next minute, I seen this fella getting on the scales with, a, with his clothes on, and then a rucksack went on him. I'm like, what's going on here? And obviously, I was heavier than him. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. was the day before. So I must have been about £10 heavier than him. So then you can imagine the size of me the next night. Of course. Got in there and I was like, he's smaller than George. <laughs> <laughs> and George is tiny. And then I remember George just, for that fight, George always worked. Like, cousin big, tall, jab right through to the belly, jab right through to the belly. I think it was 26 seconds or something like that. And yeah. I stopped him. Um, and then, you know. It, it sort of bolted bolted on my career just went like well, that well that's it your career just caught fire then yeah. raced away Everton Park Sports Centre shows in Manchester then suddenly you were an English title fight and then you win the English title and the opportunity knocks for the WBU world title and Steve Foster now I remember that whole week like it was yesterday if you remember Steve Foster's our fella tried yeah, to film me in a press yeah. conference <laughs> it's a mad because I think Steve Foster was meant to fight someone else um, or the fight before that, when I won the English title, I was meant to fight Rendell Munro at Super Bantamweight. And I remember ringing Dean Powell saying, Dean, I, I can't make H-Stone 10. You're going to have to move me up to 9-Stone. And he went, well, I, went, I can't make H-Stone 10. So then they moved me up. They went, OK, I'll ring you back in a minute. They rang me and George back. We were in the gym. And he went, um, the English title's vacant at Featherweight. You can box for the, you can box Steve Shinnick. Yeah, Steve Shinnick. I yeah. went, go ahead then. So we moved up to featherweight, and then Foster was next. Stopped him in six, Chinnick, yeah. Stopped Chinnick, and he was tough, good yeah, fighter. Yeah. Foster was next, but I was meant to fight someone else, and Foster was meant to fight someone else. And he pulled out, and I said to George, I'll beat him, I'll have him. And George just went, well, I went, I'll have Steve Foster. And then it's weird, they rang us. Oh, right. Dean Powell rang said, do you want this fight? I went, yeah, I want the fight, yeah. 100% want the fight. Um, and then me and George agreed, you know, because I'd just only moved up to featherweight and I knew Foster was big for the weight. Yeah, yeah. Um, he used to kill himself at the weight, which was why his dad yeah, was upset with me because if you remember, I was asking. That's why I ended up getting battered by Chewy because he never took the second fight and I had to fight Chewy. That's right. Um, so blame him for me loss. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember Foster fight, the, the first one, um, he beat Paul Obart, my amateur club, my old amateur um, mate yeah. in the Solly. I remember him stopping Paul Obart in the ABA, in the novices. Cause in the same media, one of the novices in the ABAs, yeah. Um, Foster, so I knew what he was about. Obviously, it's as the Viking former world title challenger or whatever, and I knew he was in a good, tough fight. But don't forget, this was your first, like, mate, you know, first high billing on an arena card within Manchester, MEN Arena as it was then. 
you know, you got you got booed. Everyone yeah, was against yeah. you. And I'm not. I got to be honest. Everyone picked me to be stopped in about four or five That's rounds. Right. I was like a, I was like a baby. Yeah. But then I remember Ricky Hatton's got this belt. You know, David Burst had this belt. Shane Neary's had this belt. Colin Dunn, coach. I said, I'm having a, I'm having a bit of this. So then, and then George just said, listen, you're just going to have to box Clara yeah. or and. Well, I remember it was that straight one-two yeah. all night you couldn't miss. Just straight punches. Just a left-right, a long right every time. And you, you just seemed to spear him for twelve yeah. for the full, full a, fight. It was just a boxing lesson. And yeah. I think his corner could have got him out. I yeah. think he might have saved us, saved a bit of his career that night because everyone's seen the bad swelling on his head. Um, I put him over twice as well. And then, you know, I become WBU world champion, which at the time was a massive, massive belt. Yeah. Um, it was more or less like the, the WBO now, basically, and you know I was I was a world champion at, at the age I think it was twenty two. Yeah, yeah. So you know I was I was a happy man, and you know and then and then, you came, then you came home. You had a couple of defenses, obviously. John Simpson went down to London, beat Matthew Marsh. I always remember the Matthew Marsh. If you remember. Yourself and Ricky Burns were in the hotel together yeah. and we were all we hanging around together we for went, a couple of days. Yes, yeah, we was. And we went to Nando's and all that. That's Ricky right. Burns boxed Graham Hill, I think, on the That's show. Right. yeah, yeah. Done a six round or seven. And look at him now. Ricky Burns on your undercard fighting Matthew Marsh. Terex Chisora was on my undercard. That's right. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> I've got the programme at home. I was like, wow, this is this is crazy. This is un- 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 unbelievable. Um, even the John Simpson fight, what stands out for me, he was British champion, but I couldn't win the British title. So what, realistically... I've had three defences of the British title, so I should have one to keep. That's right, yeah, yeah. But I haven't because we never boxed with his belt. And so it's a bit disappointing now because, you know, the Lonsdale belt's a, it's a great achievement. And that was a, a learning fight. I got chinned in the first round, got up and won on points. I can't remember waking up till about the seventh round. <laughs> um, and, and then I think, like, the publicity for that fight was crazy. You had Steven Gerrard, Carrigan and all them ringside and, you know, going round... You know, meeting people and all that, and me eye went off the train, but I just thought I had to turn up. I was in my own, I think we sold the Olympia out in two days, yeah. Um, and still to this day, um, the owner of the Olympia told us that we're the, we're the only ones who's ever sold it out, completely sold it out. So, yeah, I'm a bit happy about that, of course. Yeah, you're listening to uh, Teddy Matthews and myself, Nick Pete of the Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. This is the boxing hour every Tuesday night. We've got the third part of the show coming up, and we're going to talk about the back end of. Derry's career. Stick with us. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to the Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. We are here every Tuesday night, half past six till half seven. If you like what you listen to, log on to our website as well for much more. We do three podcasts a week. That is fightdisciples.com. You are joining me back in the studio with the one and only... Merseyside boxing icon Derry Matthews. Now, Derry, let's talk about. Let's wrap it up now. Then let's come towards the, you know, the the colourful time of your career. And let's face it, the horror that was, Choi Seven Priev. That, that fight came about because Steve Foster couldn't make the weight, which was what we were talking about previously. You know, with Foster and everything else. But Choi just come from nowhere. You know, let's face it, he was the miniature version of Costa Two. Nobody wanted him. In hindsight, whose idea was it to take that fight? No, Frank Warren just, you know, listen, when you're a, when you're 22 years of age... And a world you're, champion. You're a world champion. You're getting big money. You think you're, in, you think you're invincible. Um, and I must probably still would if I was 22 again. Now when I was world champion, you want, you know, anyone who beat comes in front of me, they're getting beat. And after the fight, you, you learn from it. Um, 
And then Amir Khan and his his parents, his coach and all that, Oliver Harrison, who were at Khan at the time, they got offered Chui. I said, you got no chance. They were sparring. They were sparring Chui mm-hmm. for, for me. Yeah. Um, and we're like, this, this, this is a big mistake I was making. And then I've seen the footage. I've seen some sparring of Amir with Chui um, in Oliver's gym. Because obviously I, I teamed up with Oliver yeah. in the future. And then... Listen, it's one of them fights, you, you live and you learn. Um, I don't blame anyone. I can't blame anyone. I'm, 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 I'm a fighter and every defeat I've had, I've always blamed myself. Um, if you're not good enough, you're not good enough. you just got to take it on the chin and, and move, you know, push it to one side and move forward. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fighters in this game, you know, they get beaten. They, they blame the coach, the manager. They blame they blame someone. Um, they blame the lifestyle outside the box. And you're a man. You're an adult. It's about you. How you do it? If if you're not happy with things in training, change it before the camp starts, or yeah. change it halfway through camp. You've got to you've got to accept that you've been beat by by a better fighter. You uh, you bounce back with a win, of course, but then you had that that three fight skid. But I think a lot of people forget that that first loss, you know, in two thousand eight, that one against Martin Lindsay, he's got stopped in the ninth round. But you boxed the socks off for eight rounds. You were well ahead on the scorecards, and it was a bit of a lottery punch. I, I put him over twice, um, and. No, I was on a massive, massive contract with, with Haymaker. That's right, you just um, signed with Haymaker. Still, still close pals with Adam Bood, um, to, to join Haymaker. And it was just one of them crazy, crazy nights where I was boxing his head off, playing with him, and then he'd done what I'd done to Tommy Coyle. He yeah. hit me right on the button with, you know, he had no right hitting me because <laughs> I'd won the fight, basically. It's like Tommy Coyle with me, he's won the fight, and... Yeah. And I turned a lot of the punching and it connected, so it's swings and roundabouts. It is what it is. He hit me. He won his fight. I don't know. I've done the same to Tommy Coyle, so you know, it's, it is what it That's is. Boxing, but, yeah, yeah. But I, but I always look as well. I always look Phil where, um, sorry, Nick, that where people, have, you know, the fighters who have beat me, mm. I've moved on to be a better fighter than them because. I'm mentally strong. Um, at the time when I got beat by Choi, my head was all over the place. Yeah. I hated the sport, hated it. Um, but as I've learned over the years, you know, I'm, I'm men- mentally there. Um, and Did you need time away, though, after, you know, Lindsay, <coughs> Ramagodi, Scott Lawton, you know, guys who, who, who really shouldn't have been able to lace they, up your gloves not, anyway? None of them, none of them should, have, should have been able to, you know, touch yeah. me. Um, what was wrong? Was it just psychologically after Choi, you still weren't mentally recovered, yeah. do you think? I think, you know, you're a 22-year-old kid, you're a world champion, and well, at the time, it's a world champion at WBU. Um, <clears throat> you know, you've got everything at your feet. You Basically, you're, you're, you know, I was the only, cha- I think I was the only champion in the city at the time as well. Yeah. Um, and it just comes tumbling down. You lose your mates, you lose your, you know, you start losing people, your, your phone stops ringing, and you learn. And I've I, listen. I've learned. I've learned the hard way. Um, I've learned who rings you, who doesn't ring you. Your mates are who your mates are. And but again, I I wouldn't change it for the world because it's made me the better a better person. Um, the the comeback, of course, was was really, you know, fueled by the prize fighter opportunity. Did you go into prize fighter? Because uh, obviously you'd retired and then you came back with prize fighter. Did you? Agree to go on prize fighter before you knew Choi was going to be in it, I or was, because Choi well, was in it. I was the last person in it, um, and it went. Ch- and I've done an article, um, 
and I must have been able to see it somewhere online. I wanted Scott Lawton first fight. Um, and tried the second. Oh, no, I asked for Scott Lawton the first fight. Someone in between. And give us Choi in the final. I never got lucky that night. I got um, McCarthy first round. I think I stopped. Did I stop him up? Yeah. Stopped him. Did I stop stopped him? him in the third, yeah. And then yeah. you got Choi in the second round. Choi in the second round, which won fight of the year, round of the year. It was yeah. an unbelievable fight. Great fight. Um, and then... They changed the rules after this prize fighter. In my prize fighter, where if someone got stopped, if I, so I went on first. Gary Buckland went on right after me with Gary Sykes. Knocked Sykes out in a minute. Yeah. Stayed in the ring and I had to ring walk again while he stayed in the ring ready for me. Of course. Where so I was sharp and warm and I was shattered. I was sh- I I I couldn't walk. Had with Choi, I had yeah. the war with Chuy. I was just happy beating him. I was crying in the changing rooms. I beat him. I've done it. Yeah, I yeah. beat me demon. Basically, I beat someone who, who bullied me. It was like it's like someone robbing your pack lunch in school and like a proper bully. Yeah. Um, and then I've boxed it. Obviously, I've had a war with him backstage. Someone comes in. The whip comes in. Goes you're on. Then I've got three rounds. But now you're on. You're on. Went in with Buckland's and he had not left. Yeah, I had not on there, but and then after that, I got Scott Lawton in a in a title fight, which that was, was the a, uh, IBL. Yeah, that was a, it. Was a great fight. It was. Yeah, and that was in Liverpool. Yeah, it was a great fight. Um, went televised, but I think that was the one fight of the year as well. Put him over. I don't know how we got up. Put him over the left hook, and you know, so I beat two of the people who beat me. <clears throat> I was very very happy with that, and then we tried to get Ramagoldi Goldie and. He'd retired and I wouldn't come near us. Yeah. You went on a run then. Uh, you took <coughs> a couple of wins together all the way to going down to Wales to challenge for the European title against Gavin Rees. Uh, how disappointed was you there? Because I know you were super fired up going down there. And of course, the, you know, the fight got got called a draw. Yeah, listen, it was one of them. Fight, former world champion. Again, everyone's going, why did you fight Gavin Rees? Because I want to fight the best. I don't want to... You look at my record and go, wow, he's been in with some fighters, he's yeah, been yeah. in with some champions, and I don't want to be known as a, a fighter who's boxing on one. You know, he's got a padded record. I want to be I want to be able to walk into a pub and go, that, that fella there, he'd fight anyone, anywhere. And yeah. I got that fight at the end, put on Twitter, um, trying to get Gavin Reese, blah, blah, blah. So I text him on Twitter, what date, what weight, I'm there. I love it. And he, he texts back, are you serious? So then, this is all over social media. I went, yeah. And he inboxed me. Blah, blah, blah. Can you come to a press conference in three days? I went to press conference. The fight was done. Brilliant. And, that, and that's like, and Oliver went, what are you doing? I went, Oliver, I've got to do it. I've got to, you know, I want to push on with my career. Obviously, the fight never went, went to plan. I thought I was in control as well. And I think I was at the right, that was the right time to be to be Gavin Reeson. Yeah. Well, the first one, obviously, it was stopped. Because of the, uh, clash of the clash of heads. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the, the second fight, when the rematch came back around, since then you'd, you'd went and fought Mars Villy for the world title and then you'd had the win against Crawler, yeah. which was great. I'd... But you got to the first fight with Reese didn't play out. Did you feel like you were on yeah. point that night? Because that, that was the night to beat him. Yeah. Um, and at the time, that six weeks before that fight, I boxed Stephen Jennings. That's right, the um, bank, yeah. Everyone went, you're fighting Gavin Reese for the European title. I went, well, I just want to fight. I've never had a local derby, I want to fight. <laughs> I want, uh, I'm want. i here to fight. So, uh, that, that fight happened. And then, obviously, the second the second um, Reese fight, I was British champion. 
and everyone goes to me, you're a British champion, why would you fight Gavin Reese? Go and make four defences against people, you know, in the top ten. Keep your belt outright. But again, I want to fight the best. I want to be the best. I want to be the European champion. And obviously it never happened. And Gary Lockett tells me now that it was the last round he was sending them out for. They were, they were, they were pulling them out. <laughs> just used to sitting here going, "Wow, could be the European <laughs> champion." Because I box for every single, every single title about, about. Yeah, of course. Um, box for every like WBA, WBC. I don't think I don't think I box for the IBF, but a European Commonwealth. British. Well, the Commonwealth came next. Obviously, the the fight against Collar, the first fight, which was a draw. Was it the second oh, fight? Second was fight, second was, fight a was a draw. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. But then you end up fighting Tommy Coyle for the Commonwealth belt after that. Yeah. And you had that knockout against Tommy Coyle. Yeah. Did that feel like a little bit of justice? Obviously, that what would happen to you to against the, yeah, Martin Lindsay? That was just. That's is what that what you was. said to Tommy Coyle afterwards? Listen, mate, I've had, I've yeah, been on your end of it. Me and Tommy have, have come very, very close. We're like, he's probably one of my closest pals in, in like, who were boxed in boxing. You know what I mean? We're like, we stay in touch and on the phone a lot, and you know, it's it's one of them things. He, he batted me that night. I think, but I still think to this day I boxed the best Tommy Coyle. Mm. I don't think Tommy's risen his game since that since he's boxed me um, and maybe I've took a lot of confidence out of him so you know hopefully he can come back and he'd be to be a better fighter don't get me wrong he's won some titles he's been in some good fights but that night against me he was on fire yeah. um, and again it's, it's one of them where I have I weren't even a Sky fighter I weren't signed but they put me on Sky, Sky Sports for four, four times on the bounce, so I must have been doing something right. Yeah. I was topping the bills. I was on chief support to Kelbrook yeah. um, against Carson Jones. Me and Gavin Reese in Newport topped the bill. Woodhouse was next. Yeah. Me and Tommy Coyle topped the bill. And I weren't even signed with Eddie, and I weren't even signed with Matrium, so I know that I've done something right. And You've been fortunate in your career. You've worked with, you know, we talked about it off air then, you've worked with everyone, like literally every promoter, in the country you've worked for and you've always maintained a good relationship yeah, with I them have, all as well and that's how I'm, important that is it you know that, to teach listen, pros now yeah, I could go and I couldn't slate any of them because they've all been good to me they've paid me money they've, I've made a living out of it um, they've given me the opportunities and I speak to everyone even even from the security guards on boxing shows the people who deal with the tickets you know I've also got all the numbers in my phone I could ring them all and, and that's the way I've always been I've always Spoke to everyone, got on with everyone, um, and that's just one of them, one of them things, one of them fighters I am. And you know, you get people slating each other's promoters and all that, but without promoters, there wouldn't be any boxing. So you know, you've got to you've got to appreciate. Towards the back end, you know, the, the last couple of years, obviously, you've become a mainstay <laughs> of the Echo Arena. You fought for the world title, and you know, uh, later on, obviously, now since you you went up to to super lightweight as well. Oh, sorry, through the lightweight kind of run, it was Echo Arena. Do you think if the Echo Arena had been round at the start of your career, you you know you could have done even bigger numbers? Yeah, I'd be sitting on a boat now. Yeah, smoking exactly. a cigar. Because <laughs> you were the you were the, you know you'd sell out I the Olympia the only, left, right, and centre. I was but... the only one with a belt. Um, and if I was with Frank Warren at eighteen or whatever, now imagine what we could do in there, mate. But then I, I I look at him and go, imagine what Shane Airy could have done in there. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, they built a tent for him. Yeah, exactly. They built a tent. Imagine him in there. Oh. So, you know, but listen, at the moment, boxing in this city is brilliant. For loads of prospects coming up, amateurs, pros, and there's some good nights, some good nights at Liverpool. Is you, do you feel like you were a little bit of a, you know, you feel like 
we're doing so well at the moment. Bellew, the Smith brothers, you know, everyone's kind of in, in that mix now. We spoke about it earlier, this next generation coming through now. Do you feel like a little bit of a, a pioneer? Because, you know, go back 10 years, you were the only guy with the belt. You were the only guy everyone looked up to. And then he's selling out shows. I want to sell out shows. And suddenly this generation behind you, it's, it's your generation, really. It's just because you turned pro earlier than all of them, I guess. Do you feel like you've pioneered, like kind of dragged it forward? Yeah, yeah. Um... And I hope I hope I have. I hope there's a lot of kids out there who go, you know what? I wouldn't mind being like 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 him. Fight anyone. Um and I've, I put a little tweet out the other day on um social media that they should have central area title fights. Yeah. I listen, I go on about this all the time. That's the, where you should start. Central area should be your favourite title. And I'm good that I never won one. And Georgie Vaughan said we should have won one. Mm. We should have won one. Just I mean I won ten set. pro titles, but just having a central area belt just I'm not, I'm not Basically, I'm, I'm the cock of the area, <laughs> and that's what you've got. You know, I'm the hard case of the area, and that's what that's what we need. And I, as a prom- if I went into promoting wise, I'd love to bring Central Area. Just and even back at Everton Park, Friday yeah. fight nights, be brilliant. Everton Park used to be incredible. Unbelievable. You know, when when Warren had that network, it was like the class of 2005 or yeah. whatever it was. Fight class school, of 2002. Fight school as well. Fight schools. Well, Eddie Ernst just brought something back now. Yeah, on I think it's Friday, brilliant. the next gen series yeah. on a Friday night on Sky and. Yeah, that, it's crucial, really. You spoke about it then, about, you know, if you ever did promoting. Do you think the city now is kind of missing out because we don't have a, a Stephen Vaughan or a, yeah, a John is. Island promoting locally? Yeah, it is, 100%. 100%. I mean, what Stephen Vaughan done for my career was was, was brilliant. Um, guided me through little small all shows, him and Gary Metcalf, you know, and, and they'd lose money. But they put shows on, and, and the, the people in Liverpool were, were buzzing. Friday, yeah. Friday and Saturday fight nights in Everton Park were brilliant. Yeah. You know, twenty years, nineteen, twenty years of age, top me on bill in an area where I grew up. Yeah. Everyone coming to watch it. Yeah. Don't feel like had Hazim Rahman and people like that fighting yeah. on those shows, <laughs> fighting at Everton Park. Mad. And Stephen Warner and John Ireland for this city in boxing wise were, were were outstanding. And yeah, I'd, I'd oh, wouldn't be good if, if Munro well Munro Ireland and Highlands and Vaughan yeah, come back. back. It'd be honestly, God, it'd be unbelievable. And you know, this city needs smaller promoters. Yeah, it's okay having the big ones, the Echo Arena, but there's kids who you know who don't get the opportunity. So you know, and you no, know, I think come. Golden Gloves ABC have started doing a couple of pro shows yeah, haven't they, locally and Wayne, stuff. Wayne and the lads there, yeah, with, with Pat Barry yeah. uh, from Manchester, they've been doing some good shows and. Okay, they've only been an envy, but the kids are still fighting. They're still, still going on on box records, still on the record. So, getting experience. You know, it's, it's superb, and you know, as, as a boxing, as a fan now, more than more than a fighter, you know, it's it's good, and and the good fights and the fights where you don't know who's going to win. I, let's be honest, at the Echo Arena, on some big fight nights, you know, one corner's going to win all night. Yeah, small all shows, you don't know, and that's what that's what boxing needs. Yeah, looking back over. Here, over your own career, obviously, 52 fights there. 52 fights is just incredible when you feel like the roller coaster you've been on. Which, um, which has been your which has been your favourite? Then which which fight was your favourite, or which performance was you? Did you think that was the night I was on point? You know what? I loved the Chuddy match because he just <laughs> he just got rid of something in my head. Yeah. Um, but then the Steve Foster night was yeah. special. Um, the ball, it's, it's hard and then beating Stephen Jennings in, a, in an area you know a derby 
That's funny that you mentioned that one because that was only at Green Bank that and was there wasn't a, a big crowd no. there. There was no telly there. No. I actually did commentary, commentary if you remember. Yeah, I was doing commentary YouTube. for that fight on it's YouTube, yeah. Little fights like that and then, you know, it's mad. It's just, I think they've all been good fights and I reckon, I reckon if you went, my last 20 fights, they've all been risky fights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, 90% of them are title yeah. fights as well. Like, yeah, so. I think there's 27, 12 rounders. I think I need to get my nose straightened now. Spend some time getting a new nose. Uh, Who's been? Who was the toughest? And who was the? Who was the best? You think? Who, who was the toughest opponent? And who was technically the best opponent that you boxed? Technically, um, Teddy Flanagan. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Obviously, you fought Teddy twice. You fought him. Oh, yeah. It was a prize fight, I wasn't it? Second time in prize fight. Yeah, and then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the to, world title fight. Yeah, Flanagan. Um, he adapted and, and changed things because I changed things in training. Um, but again, Luke Campbell. But but then, how much did he have left? Yeah, yeah. You, know, you can only go to the well so many times. Um, and I've been you know, in, in some good battles. And on a better day, would he have beat Luke Campbell? You just don't. You don't know. Um, but again, Luke Campbell is is a, is a world class fighter, um, and I hope, and I, which I do think he will do, he'll become a world champion. And even the people that have been beat through, they they go on to to win big things. It only looks better for me. So I wish them all the success in the world. Well, for me, you know, your career, it's been an absolute pleasure of mine to follow it from the amateur days right through to the to the very end. It's been incredible. I think you've made the right decision at the right time. Yeah. You know, I think uh, I think after fifty two fights and countless title fights, you've given this city more than enough. Anything to say to the city's fan base that used to always turn out in force for you, Derry? Any, any last message for them? Um, just just thanks basically to for spending all your your, your cash. You know, you go to work nine till five, or you do a late shift or whatever. You're earning your money and you, you were spending it to come and watch me, so I hope you enjoyed yourself. Um, and just basically follow my journey as, as a coach and hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, i got a prospect, I've got a couple of prospects, I know, and the, the journey can continue and you can keep spending your money, come and watching them and, and we'll have many great nights. The Dirty Derry Matthews story does continue long into the future. Thanks for listening. You're tuning in to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.